Have you ever found yourself holding your breath or feeling starved of air in times of stress? Although breathing is an automatic response, being aware of our breath and conscious relaxation through breath can be a key ingredient in health management. Dr. Ila Munger is an integrative healthcare practitioner and author with a passion for healing through the power of breath. In this episode, Ila explains how breathing techniques can literally change your neuroplasticity and biochemistry, creating an environment for the body to heal itself. Ila uses a number of therapies from allopathic medicine to Ayurveda, understanding the root cause of illness and helping patients to reframe their view of the world. If you would like to get in touch with this wonderful healer, Dr. Ila Manga can be found at drilamanga.com and at breathworkafrica.ca.za. Yeah, well, you know, I started off my um, my medical career as everyone does. I did my um, internship and community service at Joburg Gym. I studied at Wits. And at the end of the two years, I was just really exhausted. I was burnt out. I was sleep deprived. And I found myself disconnected from my own humanity and the humanity of people who I was dealing with. I disconnected from human beings. Um, I was just really disillusioned with um, my vision of what I thought my career would be. So I had initially planned to, to specialize in obstetrics and gynecology. But by the end of those two years, I thought there was no way that I could spend another five years in that hospital system. And so I suppose I chose the easy way out and I uh, did a locum year at a GP practice and found that I really loved it. Um, I loved just being part of a family practice. I loved having more time with my patients. I loved working with families and I decided to, to buy that practice subsequently. And uh, initially, as I said, I really loved um, the time as a GP, but I also at the same time started to feel more frustrated because I felt that my toolkit was so narrow. Um, so here I was really starting to understand um, so much more about the way human beings really function, the connection between what people were experiencing physically and what was going on emotionally. I could see it playing out. I started to see the patterns that were that was right there in front of me. And I felt that my conventional training didn't really equip me with the tools to support people in sustainable wellness, in understanding what their body was communicating to them. And I was figuring out that by myself too, you know, I was figuring what that all meant. And I, I started to ask the question, why? Why were people getting sick? Why did certain people uh, who were experiencing certain emotional patterns then show up with the same kind of physical patterns? Yes. And I wanted to understand more deeply how this body-mind connection work. And as I said, I felt like really uh, lacking in, in the tools uh, to facilitate a more holistic uh, paradigm. And I knew that uh, I wanted to practice in a more holistic way, but I didn't know where to turn at that time. You know, integrative medicine wasn't a, a term that was even known at that time. And I certainly didn't know many integrative medical doctors. And so I started to investigate um, other modalities that were out of the realm of Western medicine. Uh, so I looked at the science of Ayurveda because 
for me that felt uh, like it was a very holistic system. And um, I came across a modality called body talk, which for me was the closest modality uh, that was aligned to how I wanted to practice. So I studied as a breath, as a sorry, a body talk practitioner, and that was really my entry point into body mind medicine. Um, and I started to then use it and experiment with this healing modality in my practice. In my experience, when you give somebody a reframe just in their mind or the invitation to rethink about the circumstances they find themselves in, it's almost guaranteed you're going to sit back and watch something happen, um, which is incredibly satisfying and rewarding. And yes, of course, conventional medicine doesn't teach that. It teaches you how to put somebody back together who's got an infection or it has been in an accident and there's a place for that. So what, what drove you to medicine way back? You know, what made you want to be a doctor in the first place? I suppose curiosity uh, on, on one hand, and also, you know, I come from a medical family, so I've always been surrounded by doctors and I've always been, I've had access to um, uh, medical information and textbooks and stories. And so I kind of, I, I grew up in a, in a medical family, but at the same time, I suppose on a deeper level, personally, there was a, a curiosity to understand the human condition. And, and so life guided me in that direction. Uh, you know, I, I think if I, if I reflect back on my earlier years, my first choice of a career, even before medicine, was journalism. And, and I realize now that there was always a curiosity in understanding story. And it's interesting that uh, as, as I... I grew in, in my profession as a career in my vocation that my work has guided me back to story and I'm st I see now how story relates to how people experience their health, that this is the story of a human being. And, and, and I, I realize that, you know, in listening, in making time to really hear and listen um, there's a magic that happens even in that space. And I started to move more away from treating disease, making a diagnosis and treating a disease or disease yes. to really facilitating healing and creating the environment in which healing can happen. So that's the question I started to ask myself is what are those conditions that support healing to happen? because I was just in awe of the body's innate capacity to heal itself. And, and, and I suppose that was the big shift for me, is in understanding that our role as a, as a health practitioner is simply to support people to put those conditions in place, to create those conditions. Yes. And that's it. It is, you know? it really is that simple. Um, and I love what you said about listening because very often uh, I see clients who, who come to me and say, well, my doctor doesn't listen to me. And it's just the, it's the rapport and being able to speak, whatever it is, and having someone who can sit in a non-judgmental place and listen and 
almost repeat back to you what you're saying to help you reframe that switches on whatever chemistry or neurology is needed for the body to do what it knows what to do. And it is, it is simple, but it's, it's profound. It's quite a profound process. You know, it's, yeah, and, and, and I think that, you know, in order for the whole paradigm of medicine to shift, you know, it starts at the training level at medical school because doctors are, they, they, they start their career already burnt out. And, you know, there's a desensitization that happens when we're so overwhelmed with um, the stories of suffering and we are overwhelmed by the numbers of patients that we're seeing. You know, so um, doctors are also burnt out. And, and so then, you know, we default to um, conditioned training. And, and it takes a, a great deal of courage and a great deal of vulnerability for a health practitioner to actually say, you know, actually, I don't know what's going on here, but let's figure this out together. Yes, yes. Did you get any pushback from your family or colleagues when you decided to go more into the integrative route? Yeah, absolutely. You know, because body talk was just in a vague concept. And, and I think that um, my family didn't understand what I was doing. And I mean, I don't blame them because I suppose I was figuring this out myself, you know, and it took a few years to really, uh, to refine um, my methodology and my process. So yes, I mean, I think people thought I was crazy, you know, at that time, many of my colleagues were specializing and here I went, to, uh, you know, studying this strange modality that involved uh, energy medicine and tapping, you know, people thought I was, was mad. Can you explain body talk? Is it rooted in kinesiology? How does, how does it work? Yeah, so it's quite an integrative, amazing modality that works on uh, quantum physics principles. It, it uses some kinesiology principles and neuromuscular feedback, but it also really just supports a realignment uh, of the body-mind system. Um, yeah, so it's, it's quite a deep, fascinating modality that uh, is really effective. Uh, and, and that was really what I, what I used as a tool for a while. And then I found breathwork. Yes. Um, that's, yeah. that's, what is breathwork? Is it, is, you know, if I, I looked on your website and um, it's not yoga. It's not meditation. What is breathwork? So breathwork is really the awareness and the conscious application of conscious, well, I'm going to say this again. Uh, so breathwork is the, the conscious awareness and application of specific breathing techniques to support physical, emotional, and, and mental well-being. So, you know, breathing is not something that we necessarily have to think about. It's part of the body's autonomic nervous system. So, you know, our, our breathing is happening without us even needing to think about it. Um, and, and yet, it is one of those functions, what is the only function uh, of the autonomic nervous system that we can consciously change. So when we change the way we breathe, we're affecting 
change in our physiological systems and we are changing the way that we think and the way we feel. So it is a very profound entry point into shifting our physical and mental and emotional state. And because we are breathing all the time, we all have access to our breath. And uh, what's really interesting is that the breath is a language. So when we are feeling a certain way, when we are thinking certain thoughts, when we hold a certain posture, the breath reflects that. Yes. We know that when we're feeling anxious or we're feeling particularly uh, angry or there's a heightened emotional state, we, we experience our breath differently. And sometimes when we are locked in a state of, of stress or adrenalized energy, our breath pattern becomes locked in that way. So we develop these dysfunctional breathing habits that build up over time. And very often, it's those dysfunctional breathing habits that will have an impact on our emotional state. So, yes, for example, we have been through a very stressful time or particularly traumatic time. Um, and I'll give you an example of someone, a patient that I saw recently who uh, was in the hospital and um, had a procedure that went wrong and had to stay in hospital for a prolonged period of time, which was a particularly traumatic time. And he had various procedures um, that were quite traumatic uh, that involved his chest cavity and, and his lungs. And ever since then, there, there, was a, there was fear around his breathing. And so even though he felt that he had dealt with that trauma, that pattern of breath stayed with him and was unconsciously triggering a feeling of anxiety. Yes, makes perfect sense. So, you know, in a world where we can have to accept the fact that we really can control nothing, um, breath is probably the one thing we can control. We can choose to steer it differently. We can choose to breathe longer, stop at certain points, breathe for a certain number of counts, what it does is it centers the mind um, and it creates a chemistry in the brain that sends different messages to the parasympathetic sympathetic nervous system to tell us that everything's okay and exactly. there's no crisis. And I think this is really important for, you know, for children. No one sits in a nursery school or very seldom and teaches children how to breathe and how that affects their feelings. What are your thoughts mm -hmm. around kids and, and this? Absolutely. And I think you're spot on. I think it, it really is a fundamental tool that children are needing to... And, and it's not something that they need to learn because it comes so naturally. But, you know, this disconnection from our bodies happens now at such an early age uh, with digital devices, with us being indoors all the time there's a fundamental disconnect from our own nature and from nature around us at a very early age. And so, so children become disembodied very early on. And so breath work is a way to keep them connected to the way that they feel, to create an emotional vocabulary and a way to regulate what they are feeling. So uh, without suppressing feelings, without... Um, you know, judging or numbing, 
there is a means uh, that we are able to become more aware of what we're experiencing and there's a way to channel it without suppressing it. So for example, there's a feeling of um, a tearfulness or sadness. Uh, you know, there's a way to breathe that will, will harness that energy and support uh, the release of that energy to come back to a state of balance again. And, you know, often you know, we see so much anxiety in children. And for me, anxiety is, is a, a form of energy that is trapped, that has nowhere to go. It's, un, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not channeled, it's not released, so it gets trapped in the system, and then it just creates this feedback loop between the brain, the, the amygdala, that keeps uh, being triggered and sending uh, surges of adrenaline and cortisol into the system. And the breath reflects that. And then the, that breathing pattern then sends the same message of danger back into the system. So it just becomes this, this crazy loop of, uh, of chemicals and thinking and feeling and behaving that is reflected in the way that we breathe. And children resonate with breath uh, profoundly. Mm. You know, and uh, I think it's a really, we really feel strongly that this needs to be integrated into, into the curriculum. It's, you know, that, that those neural pathways that we create very early on in life, um, it stays, you know. Mm. And so if we can, we can integrate that skill now, it's uh, really important as a tool of resilience. So let's chat also about how our state of mind affects our health. Um, you mentioned a bit earlier that there are certain types of patients you see and what they're going through, their thinking, their mindset, their communication very often emerges in a predictable disease profile. What is your experience with that, that P&I aspect of, of your integrative medicine approach? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, you know, as human beings, we, we sense either danger or safety. And um, even excitement, uh, when we feel really passionate and when we, are, uh, we feel uh, excited about something, we've just embarked on a project, then the body releases a lot of adrenaline into the system. And so adrenaline can be quite an addictive uh, state or a, a, a adrenalized energy is quite an addictive state. And um, we can sustain that for a short amount of time, but in the long term, you know, we get locked into this, uh, this habit of feeling um, stressed, anxious, excited. It's kind of the same spectrum. And, and so what happens is this gets reflected in, in the way that we breathe. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, um, this creates a lot of inflammation in the system. So when we are locked in the state of adrenalized energy and we are not dropping into that rest and digest mode enough to sustain this high, heightened state of energy, then what happens is that we start to build up inflammation. And inflammation is really the precursor for any chronic illness. Right? So chronic... Um, you know, cardiovascular disease, uh, autoimmune conditions, um, cancer. It, it starts when the environment, the internal environment is inflamed. 
and, and there's an epidemic of inflammation that we're seeing right now. It was interesting that, you know, uh, very early on in, in my work as a, an integrative doctor, yes, I was starting to see the symptoms show up and typical symptoms uh, that a GP would see. So irritable bowel syndrome, insomnia, headaches, um, autoimmune conditions, so, you know, allergies, these are typical things that we see. Uh, and we're very used to just, you know, prescribing a pill to suppress those symptoms. But really, if we had to look deeper into what is really going on, um, you know, I started to realize that there was this um, chronic adrenalized energy that shows up in specific symptoms early on. And then we reach a point, a tipping point, where our body is unable to produce uh, the cortisol, the stress hormones, and that's when we start to burn out. And there are certain symptoms that we see in that burnout zone. And so I created what I call the energy zone map that got people to understand physically uh, and behaviorally what uh, they can look out for when they're in that danger zone. Okay, so when they're feeling more wired and what they can expect to see when they tip down into the burnout zone. And this is when we start to see the more chronic conditions showing up, the hormonal imbalances, the depression, the autoimmune conditions. Um, but the little niggles that we experience uh, in our everyday lives, like the IBS symptoms, heartburn, um, headaches, uh, muscle tension, these are the symptoms that highlight Okay, that can show us, hang on, uh, you know, the system is taking strain and we are then invited to take these recovery loops or learn how to integrate um, this parasympathetic rest and digest mode into our lives. So it's about creating that balance again. You know, yeah, just to go back what you said, that the chemistry of stress is addictive. And very often we see people who who seem to thrive um, feeling terrible. They don't actually know mm -hmm. what it's like to feel well. And they almost, it looks like they're purposely doing everything they can to stay in a state of discomfort because the chemistry is addictive. They don't know this. I mean, nobody in their right mind is mm -hmm. going to purposely make themselves ill, um, or very few people, but it's really interesting that you say that the, the, the adrenaline, the cortisol, um, those inflammatory chemicals are an addiction. And that makes sense on so many levels. So it's not, it's irrespective of the environment, it's our response to the environment that's keeping us sick. It's that choice to respond in the same way that's giving us this hit of adrenaline every time puts the control right back into our own hands to say right. got to do this yourself we've got to change our response to the world and not carry on blaming the world mm, mm, exactly and it's it, you know these habits create neural pathways or neural pathways are you know show up as habits and addictions and and so so really our work of healing is to recognize that this neural pathway exists and, and it's not really about breaking that because once a neural pathway is there, it's there. However, what we can do is to create new neural pathways. And the body, the mind is so responsive to this. This is what makes us 
so incredible as human beings is our capacity to build these new neural pathways. And the body wakes up to that. The brain loves that. So when we can start to change something really as simple as our breathing, we change the way that we breathe. We immediately change our physiology. We change the way we think. We can change the way we feel and gives us an opportunity to engage in a new behavior. And so the more we practice that, you know, we know that nerves that fire together wire together. The more we practice that, the more we entrench these new neural pathways, then our default changes. Then we are changing the programming. Then we are now um, you becoming unconsciously uh, competent at something. Yes. You know, this is a new way of being. And this is really the process of healing. Instead of going through trauma therapy, and there's a place for trauma therapy, but for some people to relive that over and over again is simply rewiring what's already there and bringing back that stress response and those chemicals which are already there. But to interrupt the thinking with a specific breathing pattern um, puts up a roadblock in front of that neural link that is going down this road and diverts right. into a new direction which creates a different chemical cascade. That is yes. hugely powerful. Yes. And this is what I love about breathing, that it is a profound science. Mm -hmm. You know, and we're starting to understand so much more about how it works. This is not just an esoteric kind of uh, idea. This is a, a powerful medicine that we all have access to and we can understand how it works. You know, so I have learned more about the way that we function as human beings in studying breath work than anything else. It's, it's just incredible that it links to biomechanics and biodynamics and our breathing chemistry and we understand uh, how we are able to change um, uh, the CO2 levels and the oxygen levels of the nitric oxide breathing through the nose we know increases nitric oxide which is a natural antimicrobial yes you know yes. Um, we understand how changing our breathing uh, will, will shift uh, will activate the vagus nerve um, I mean, it's just, it's incredible how much we can understand. With breathwork, I, I don't work with one specific modality. I work with the whole range of tools and skills because I think that's really important for us to be equipped with a whole skill set so that we are able to draw on specific techniques as and when we need it. And so Wim Hof is a, is a really powerful technique to build resilience, to build the immune system, and it's also an energizing technique. But there are also, you know, there are hundreds of breathing techniques. And yes. so if we understand the effects of all of them, then we can use them more skillfully. Yes, this is incredible. So if a patient or somebody listening wanted to learn this, they are um, not well, they are stressed, they know they're in burnout, and um, meditation, yoga, everything else isn't working for them. You run workshops, you do private consultations. How does your, your breath work work? Yes, so I, I run a private practice and, and so breath work is very much a part of that. So I do online consultations and in-person consultations. Uh, I also uh, have an organization, we run an organization called Breathwork Africa. And we train practitioners, but we also run regular workshops online. And our practitioners offer one-on-one -on -one sessions 
so we have practitioners all over the country. And so, yeah, if you go onto the website, uh, breathworkafrica.co.za, then you can find all the information uh, there. We also run something called Breath Cafe, where people can come in and, and experience a breathwork session online with one of our practitioners and perhaps also, you know, attend one of our longer workshops. So there's a lot that we can offer. Um, but perhaps a starting point is, is to engage with uh, one of our practitioners yes. uh, for a one-on-one -on -one session. So if a patient came to you, we could, um, you would also treat them from a, a medical point of view. So the whole holistic, um, not just the breath, but also, you know, what's missing, what yes. are the that balance. Yes, so that's part of uh, what I do in my practice, in my, in my private practice. So, um, you know, we, we run the investigations as necessary. We run a blood test to see, you know, what's happening. But more than that, we, we listen to uh, the story and we feel what, what is really, uh, what is needed as a priority. And we create the conditions for healing to happen and equip the patient with tools to start to navigate their health journey uh, with our support. Mm -hmm. and we work, uh, I work mostly with natural supplements mm -hmm. and, um, uh, you know, if necessary, uh, we prescribe Western medicine, uh, but usually it's not required yes. unless there's a serious chronic condition, of course. Uh, you know, we work in a very integrated model and so we, we put... Uh, the foundations of health in place first before we resort to to western medicine and in many cases i find that um we're able to wean people off the chronic medication yeah what are your thoughts about um postmenopausal symptoms hot flashes and night sweats and anxiety that comes with menopause some women experience it some don't to what degree do you think that is stress response that you know the way you see really terrible. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, so, so when we understand how hormones work and how stress affects hormones, and we understand that the endocrine system is all one system, we cannot separate what's happening with the progesterone levels and estrogen levels from what's happening with the adrenal glands. So, for example, I find that people uh, who are more stressed uh, will experience more uh, severe menopausal symptoms because there's just more demand for cortisol. So cortisol levels go up and there's less uh, mother hormone, okay, so we call it the DHEA, available mm -hmm. to produce progesterone. And, and so that's the first hormone that drops when we go into perimenopause or menopause, is progesterone levels drop first. And that's when we experience the hot flashes, that's when we experience the irritability and a lot of the premenopausal symptoms that uh, many women experience. Is, is due to the drop in progesterone and the imbalance between estrogen and progesterone. So, you know, when we can support the adrenals, we find that the menopausal symptoms are far less severe. It makes a lot of sense. I see a lot of, a lot of my clients with um, really battling with these symptoms and it's almost always there's some very heightened level of stress. What is concerning is that many of these women say they're not stressed because they've normalized the abnormal. Uh, they're so right. used to feeling strung out and burnt out that to them, this isn't yes. every day. And that yes. is the concern. Yeah. 
And yeah, it's interesting you say that we've become habituated and, and almost maladapted to this heightened stress response. And in fact, you know, we don't know what true relaxation feels like. And so this is also a fundamental part of my practice is relaxation training, getting people to feel in an embodied way what deep relaxation actually feels like. And it's in that relaxed state, when the brain waves start to slow down, that the body is able to naturally bring down the inflammation, that the body's self-healing ability really starts to kick in, that the digestive system is optimized, that the body is able to absorb the nutrients from the food and even the supplements that we're taking. None of that can happen when we are in that adrenalized state. The digestive system essentially shuts down yes. when we are in that state of fight and flight. Yes. You know, so we can be eating the healthiest diet, we can be taking the most expensive supplements, but if we are not in that state where the, the digestive system is awake and alive, you know, it doesn't help really. It doesn't help. So you've written three books. Um, that is a huge undertaking. What inspired? So not, not, not quite three, not quite three. <laughs> um, so, so the book, the main book that I wrote so, um, it was initially called The Energy Code and we've changed that to Breathe now. So that's the same book. So really it was um, really seeing that these symptoms were, the symptoms that I was seeing in my GP practice was part of a pattern, that there was something deeper and there was so much confusion around what burnout was from a psychological point of view and what adrenal fatigue was. And I saw that there was a link that actually it was, it's just the same thing. And that we, if we understood um, our physical symptoms and our behavioral symptoms from the perspective of um, this energy, uh, energy cycles, it all just all made sense to me. And that if we just supported our physical body, our mind and our heart, there was a formula here for sustainable wellness. Yeah, I, I really wanted to put in, in one book um, the tools that I thought works and, and, and just supporting people with really understanding the simple tools that they could start to integrate into their life. And I thought a good way to do that was to share stories of people that I have worked with. And so really that's what, um, uh, what the book is, is sharing stories um, and integrating the tools or what I call the energy code at the, each, at the end of each chapter uh, that really summed up uh, that aspect of body's intelligence, mind's intelligence, heart's intelligence. So it brings together understanding that every person is unique with their own personal energy signature or health signature. Um, you know, that these are pillars of health, you know, when we reconnect it to nature, when we are, when we start to understand um, our, our emotional vocabulary, and when we understand our belief systems, uh, you know, this is all part of our journey uh, back to uh, optimum health. Sure, reflection and introspection uh, is absolutely key. So you're pretty much available to anybody, anywhere, 
if they want to get hold of you, you do online consults, you are available one-on-one via your private practice. Um, I'm going to pop all of your contact details into the, the links of the show notes. So anybody listening can um, make contact with you. Uh, I hope this, I know this is going to resonate for so many people because so many of us are at the end of our rope. And yeah, thank you so much, uh, Nikki. Thank you. And yeah, I think it's just, you know, we have um, access to our inner resources and we just need to, to find ways to tap into that and nurture that and, and to yeah. find um, the right support, you know, and we don't have to do this alone. Yes, that is that is a big key, and I've always I've always say that we are tribal and we need support, and we've got to learn to ask for help because you know that's that's the way the human brain is wired. We we calibrate to each mm-hmm. other, and people are there for you. And when you realise that, well, there's there's much less suffering. Um, it's so important exactly. to realise you don't have to suffer and you don't have to be alone. So I want to thank you so much for your valuable time. It has been one of those wonderful discussions that brings hope and, um, yeah, it's just so inspiring to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Nikki. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for joining me again for another great conversation. If you're enjoying the show, please rate and review on Apple Podcast. And if you have any questions for further topics, please feel free to email me at podcast at reinventhealth.ca.za or leave a voice message on our Anchor FM page. This episode was sponsored by The Nutrition Prescription by Reinvent Health. The one thing we all have a degree of control over is how we manage our health through the choices we make. Believe it or not, healthy nutrition is more simple than we've been led to believe when you know what to do. If you're going to get away with anything positive out of 2020, let it be your wake-up call to make a change. Use this time in the best way possible. Give your body what it truly needs in order to thrive. No matter your age, income level or health state, you can learn new habits that will help you feel stronger, more energized and motivated to live better. The Nutrition Prescription is an online learning program designed for anyone wanting to learn the basics of healthy nutrition and customize the knowledge into a way of life that does not involve restrictive dieting. Once you've signed on, you will receive access to hours of videos, meal plans, recipes, articles, and regular webinars that will keep you up to date with the most current thinking around health and nutrition. To sign up or find out more, go to reinventhealth.co.za and click on online learning.